Welcome to Write Your Book in a Flash with Dan Janelle, the only podcast where you'll learn how successful people just like you have grown their businesses, expanded their influence, and made more money by writing a book. On each episode, you'll learn the inside secrets to help you create a book that can serve as a powerful marketing tool to skyrocket your business. I'm your host, Dan Janelle. I help thought leaders, business executives, and entrepreneurs write their books. To find out more, go to writeyourbookinaflash.com. Lisa, is so wonderful to come to us today and talk about the secrets of becoming a highly paid ghostwriter. She has a presentation, and I will go through the slides uh, with you for that. And then we'll have time for a Q&A at the end. But I have to tell you something. Uh, Lisa and I were involved in a negotiation with a uh, client or a prospect that I had uh, who was a very high-level client. I mean, they, they were very, their website was amazing. They'd done with They've been in business for 30 years. They had top level clients and, you know, the kind of people who are going to spend money. And they had a very interesting book that I was not interested in writing. So I brought in Lisa, who has a whole universe of ghostwriters at her in her network. And I thought that we could work together to find the perfect person for her. And uh, sure enough, we did find two two people in her network who were Superb for this, uh, you know, New York Times bestselling authors or or ghostwriters, uh, and uh, great credentials. And then she said, "Oh, and this guy charges seventy five thousand dollars, and this woman charges a hundred thousand dollars. But if her name is on the book, it's a hundred thousand. If her name isn't on the book, it's one hundred thirty five thousand. And I thought, wow, uh, I didn't know ghostwriters could get paid that kind of money." Isn't that really, really kind of cool? So uh, I thought, gee, Lisa, why don't we do a session on how to become a highly paid ghostwriter? Because I'm sure a lot of ghostwriters do not charge as much as they should. And we can learn what separates uh, people like us from the people who are charging six figures to write the books. So I know you're going to have a great session. You're going to learn a lot. Uh, we do have handouts to send out to people afterwards. Uh, so you don't have to take long, detailed notes unless you really want to. And I will share the PowerPoint as well uh, with all of our members. So Lisa, uh, take it away. What are the secrets to becoming a highly paid ghostwriter? Thank you, Dan. Well, you know, um, I, first of all, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to speak with all of you and share what I know. Uh, I'm passionate about connecting people to the perfect writer for them. And uh, it's it's a fun aspect. I do a lot of different things, but it's a really fun aspect of my work uh, and a rewarding one. But it's also a challenging one at times. And um, so I'll, I'll be addressing some of those issues as we go through this. I kind of, I put together slides with like a whole bunch of things that relate to earning your worth. But, but one thing I didn't put in the slides, and I really want to make sure I say it because I'm now um, nearing 60, I feel like I have to say it now while it's in my memory. And that is, um, you know, something that Dan alluded to, really knowing your worth. And uh, there will be clients who try to talk you down about your prices. And I think it's really important not to just jump at, well, I need the job or oh, you know, I really believe in this project, so I'll lower my fees. And there are times to do that, but I'd be really careful about it. And I have an example of a ghostwriter I work with who always undercharges. And 
this client told her, well, I really, you know, I wasn't expecting to pay that much money. And gee, I, I don't think I can do that. And then he told her, unless she misunderstood this, that he has a $100,000 PR budget. And she had, she had lopped off a lot off her fees. You know, we were talking about her charging 60 and I can't remember what she charged him, but it was definitely less than 40, maybe quite a bit less. So, you know, when she heard that, she felt really upset, but, you know, part of it's his fault. He wasn't really upfront or honest, right, about his, his budget, um, uh, I mean, maybe in his eyes he was because he's saving a hundred thousand for the PR. But you know, it wasn't really a, a, a really nice thing to do in a sense. But on the other hand, you know, it's it's her business, and um, she 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 didn't really establish right the value of what she was providing, and in her own mind as well as the client's mind. So I think that's actually a really nice story to start with because it's a reminder there will be people trying to talk down your prices and there may be times where it makes sense. But for the most part, having a good boundary around your pricing is is a really valuable thing. So for the right project, yes, maybe you want to want to go down a little bit or, you know, it's a shorter book or, you know, it's going to be less work. But do really think about it because um, it, it's easy to do that. I think all of us, you know, we want to be accommodating or we're hungry, we're looking at the bills, uh, but really be careful about that. So that that's my, um, my starting story. And Dan, do you want to advance? So um, the first thing that I think a really good starting place is, is for any business person, right? Identify your ideal clients. And I think most of you have already done that. I know I've spoken to Penny about that. I know I've spoken to Simon about that as well, but, you know, what are some of the things that you want in an ideal client? And one is that they can pay your fees, right? Not all ghostwriting gigs are equal and a certain people are going to have more money than others. And, uh, you know, we all, we all want to be generous, but on the other hand, an ideal client in your mind should be somebody who can pay your fees and pay your fees as they go up, right? Um, and so one of the things that can be helpful, it doesn't always have to be there, but is a demonstrable return on investment. You know, if this is a business person and the book is going to help their business, there's much more of a demonstrable return on investment or they're looking to start a new business or start a speaking career. You know, then I think it's a lot easier for them to justify this is an investment in their new career or their new business. So think about that and make sure that's part of the conversation, you know, ask them questions about um, what they're going to do with the book and how is it going to provide value for their business and make sure they understand it's not in book sales. So many people do understand that, but for others, you know, they're, they're thinking, oh, I'm going to write this amazing book and just, you know, sell hundreds of thousands of copies and make a lot of money. So it's important that, that you set those expectations too. Um, an, an ideal client is probably somebody that you enjoy working with. So think about who've been your ideal clients in the past and what you enjoyed about working with them. And I would say, you know, easy clients, right? I, I recently um, had the pleasure of editing uh, a new manuscript for a, a, for a former client who's come back. And uh, it was just so easy and fun. You know, 
we like projects like that. So, you know, where is their ease as opposed to, um, you know, maybe a more difficult client? And I see Cindy commenting um, about, yes, easy and positive. So feel free to put your in the chat, you know, your comments. And actually, let me see. I'd love to see the chat. Um, you know, your comments about uh, what's ideal for you. What qualities are you looking for? So feel free to, to, to post in the chat. And um, any questions about clients or ideal clients? Okay, let's save the questions for okay. later because we'll be posting gotcha. uh, Lisa's material as a podcast and for the whole world to see. And then we'll take individual questions at the end if we won't post those for the world to see so we can maintain confidentiality along the way. Great. Oh, great. Thank okay, you. thanks, Dan. So um, then let's move to the next slide. So, you know, the other thing to identify is your ideal genres and projects and fields. And so certainly topics that you enjoy are going to be, are going to be, you know, ideal. And, and those you want to know more about, as well as those that you have a lot of, um, you know, familiarity with. And uh, areas where you have an aptitude are great, of course, experience within the field um, and, you know, particularly writing books in that field are always great. You know, clients are, I think, often more, more eager to pay your fees when they know you've written books in that area before. And, you know, that you possess the skills needed for that project or you can hire for them. So a book that's going to require a lot of research, you know, maybe you're going to hire a researcher for that if that's not your skill, but that you, you have you know, either you or someone on your team, someone you can hire has those skills that are going to be needed for this particular project. So let's talk about what clients are looking for. And, um, and you know, these are some, some questions that I think, you know, they often ask or they're asking in their minds when they're looking at your website. You know, what have you written both for yourself as, as an author and what have you ghostwritten? And how do these books do? There are going to be some uh, some clients who really want somebody who has some New York Times bestsellers. Um, as we know, New York Times bestseller is, is uh, sure, it usually is a high quality book that's well written, but the thing that gets it on the bestseller list is not necessarily um, the writing. You know, it's generally the marketing and the execution of that uh, most of the time and how big a reach the author already had is often the case too. So, um, so, so, you know, while it may not be the best question, it is sometimes something that they are looking for and they really want. So, you know, if you, if you can, uh, work with authors who have a big following, then, uh, you, you can sometimes get that credential under your belt and that's going to help you with, with further clients and know when those, when those stepping stones happen, raise your fees. You know, when you have a client who has gotten on the Wall Street Journal bestseller list or, you know, another bestseller list um, that's significant or has sold, uh, you know, is selling tens of thousands of copies on Amazon. Those are things that you want to really highlight on your website and in any conversations or proposals to clients. And um, again, they give you a uh, reason to raise your fees. So I, you know, I would say when big milestones happen, think about your fees and certainly think about your fees at least once a year and, and assess whether, you know, they need to be raised. 
Um, Lisa, uh, yeah. I would add to that awards. Yes. So if the books you've written have been entered into contests and have won awards, you can certainly promote that on your website. So you've written award-winning books as well. And, and, you know, Dan, that's such a good point because sometimes, you know, we, we write the book and then we kind of forget about it. You know, we help the, the author when they first launch, but then we sort of forget about it. And it's really important to, to keep your clients in mind, especially as the words come up, encourage them to apply. I encourage uh, many of my clients to apply for Nautilus Awards, for example. That's a great award. And um, I actually have an awards uh, consultant that I recommend because she's so good. She'll do research. She'll call the awards company and actually say, you know, which, which categories do you think are going to be best for this particular book? I mean, she, she really does a great job. But, but at the very least, you know, keep, keep an eye out, encourage your, your authors, even when you first finish the book, just say, oh, this is a great book. I encourage you to apply for some awards and here are some possibilities. Um, so again, the questions that your, your prospects are going to be asking include, you know, how happy were your clients, right? And so they'd love to have references. Now, I know that references can be challenging when you're a ghostwriter. You may have signed NDAs, and we're going to talk about that a little more later. So we'll come back to that one. They want to know your process, right? How does it work? And the way I work with um, ghostwriters is their process is their process. And I'm not looking to change your process if you work with me or with clients that I refer. Um, just it is good to have a clear process and make it clear up front. And it should be clear from the contract. It should be clear from your uh, conversations with the client, what that process is. And absolutely be very clear upfront what's required of them and assume that the first time you tell them it's just going to go over their head or they're going to say yeah 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 you really need to pound that in because um that is i think one of the biggest challenges is somebody who you know they they get the the manuscript back and they don't read it for two months and then suddenly they have all these uh, all this feedback after you've been doing more writing um, they should have given you that feedback much sooner or somebody who doesn't like to read and they're not even reading the whole thing. And then they, you know, complain about a manuscript they haven't even read. Um, it's happened. So, um, so be really clear what's required of them. And we're going to do more work on that later too, because it's such an important point. Um, a professional website. So um, how many of you, oh, I can't see hands, but hopefully you have a professional website. And if you don't, you you need one. It is important. And um, I'll talk more about what should be on that website. And then can you write in my voice or style? And I will say, you know, some writers are better at that than others. So I would say for the lower price projects, like, you know, if you're charging 30 or 40,000 or even 50, you know, a lot of times clients just want a good book. And, you know, it's maybe more prescriptive and, uh capturing their voice is not always as essential um, or even, you know, as much a requirement as when you want to earn the higher ghostwriting fees, 60, 70, 80, and more, you really need to be able to capture voice. And if that's not something you can do yet, you know, I would get some more training in that because that that's going to be important. And we're, I'm going to say more about writing samples later on too, because they're really helpful. They're important. But at the same time, 
sometimes a, 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 a client might, a prospect might read your samples and think, oh, well, that's not my voice. And so you really want to be clear when you're offering the samples that you have a breath and, um, and that they can, you know, that that's something you're able to do. Um, if you are, you know, don't say that you have skills you don't. And then anything specific to their field or genre. So for instance, um, they, you know, uh, I, one of the writers I work with is a cultural anthropologist. So, or forensic anthropologist. So, um, so sometimes she's like the perfect person for some of these books, like a bullying book. She also wrote a bullying book um, or anything that has sort of a cultural kind of uh, aspect to it. Um, so, you know, they may be looking for what makes you especially good fit. And you want to think about that when you hear about the project and highlight projects that you've worked on uh, or skills that you have that um, that really uh, speak to, speak to that question, you know, that particular book. Okay, we can advance. So uh, the next thing, you know, and when we're looking at what commands high fees, you know, one is that you have credentials and professional development. So, you know, consider taking additional writing courses, especially if you're looking to fine tune that voice of yours, you know, and, and, and your ability to capture different voices then um, writing courses can be really helpful with that. And particularly ghostwriting courses, there's some good ones out there. And, uh, and I don't know specifically, uh, but I, I might be able to find out for you guys. Uh, but certainly, you know, do some homework and look at reviews online and see who, um, who has good reviews. Um, certainly your experience is probably number one, right? What are the books you wrote and what genres and, and areas are they in uh, or even just that you've worked on projects not necessarily books but like if you've done a website for somebody who um, in in a similar field to, to this client um, so experience um, and then uh, and and I will say you know there are times when it might make sense that you that you are interested in a project the the client's very clear that they're their budget is not quite what you usually charge, but because you want experience in that particular arena, it may make sense to, um, to, to do a slightly lower fee or negotiate an unusual, um, you know, where, where they're, they're paying, I don't know, 75% of your fees up front or 80% up front and you, you get some later. But Whenever you negotiate something like that, assume that you're never going to see the later money, right? It, it's like you really have to be happy with what you're getting. Um, but, but you know, if you're really looking for very specific experience and that project will get it for you, sometimes it makes sense, particularly if you're earlier in your career. I know some of you are already very experienced and others are newer. So it will depend on that. Um, and your experience with research is always, you know, a helpful credential for many projects. And, you know, any degrees you have can also be a helpful credential. So what makes a ghostwriter able to command higher fees? Uh, th this is probably not an exhaustive list. And, and Dan, if you have some things you want to add, just chime in or anybody else on the call. If you want to add anything, put in the chat and we'll, we'll read it um, and share it. But, you know, one of the things I've already talked about is this ability to capture a client's voice. And what I see at those higher end ghostwriters is 
they're really good at that. And, and not just from transcripts, like, you know, putting exactly what they said, because as Dan and I have experienced, sometimes people will say, that doesn't sound like me. And it's taken directly from a transcript. And what they mean is, that's not what I want to sound like. <laughs> so, you know, the voice is not just what they sound like when they're talking to you, but it's also what they want to sound like and what their brand is. So there's a nuance to it, I would say. Um, excellent communication skills. So from the very get-go, you know, when I get on these calls with the really highest paid writers, um, they are sharp. They ask great questions, they listen, and they apply it to things they've already done. So they'll say, you know, well, in this case, because you want to do X, in my experience, you know, it's going to be important to X, Y, Z. So, so they're going to be applying things right away, showing their knowledge of writing in this particular genre. Um, and, uh, and, and they'll say things that are useful. They're not just doing it to show, to show off, right? Like, oh, I know this and blah, blah, blah. But they're doing it in a way that's both strategic, but also really useful information at the client in that moment. So, you know, it's a skill you pick up over time. But if you need to hone your communication skills, um, then, you know, that might be something to work on. And, you know, this may sound so um, uh, obvious, but, you know, the more you're writing shows rather than tells, uh, the, the more, the higher the fees you command. So if you're, you're telling, you know, if you're a great storyteller, bringing it to life with sensory detail, um, tightening your writing, uh, you know, the, the higher paid ghostwriters are not just sending out a first draft, right? They're really fine tuning. And, um, uh, of course, you know, in the beginning, when you want to get feedback from them, you can say, this is very rough. And before I fine tune it and edit it, I want to get your feedback. So don't worry that this is rough and that's fine. But, you know, but, but, but really fine tuning and seeing those, there are always going to be places in the beginning where you're telling instead of showing and just really paying attention to that and bringing it to life. A few pet peeves of mine are uh, passive voice and a lot of was and had and is and has, you know, just, just try to notice those and shift to, to using really specific verbs that paint a picture. And uh, likewise, you know, too many ad adverbs can, can be distracting and not that useful words like slowly. Often there's a just much more precise verb you can use than the one you're using so that you don't need this slowly. So that they seem like silly things, but they really make a difference in the writing. And always read your writing aloud and uh, you'll, you'll notice things, new nuances that will really help improve the writing. Uh, another thing that helps you command higher fees is just how many books you've written um, or edited in a genre or field. Of course, as Dan pointed out, you know, if you're winning a lot of awards, even if you only have two books, uh, that's going to be powerful and help you raise your fees sooner rather than later. Uh, types of clients you work with uh, definitely help you command higher fees. So if you already work with a lot of CEOs, it's easier to attract more CEOs. Um, if you work with, uh, uh, you know, consultants and people in higher paying fields, you know, that's going to help you. Sometimes the sector, you know, tech sector might help you earn uh, higher fees. So um, those are some examples. And so you may want to be looking 
for let's let's say you did some free talks in the tech sector in order to find some clients that might be a valuable way to find clients in in a well-paid sector um and lisa say you work with a lot of doctors or lawyers or architects or whatever that there's familiarity and say well she's written a book for lawyers and i guess she knows how to work with lawyers and know something about the law so that you can specify by that kind of client as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And use those examples when you're first talking to the client about um, about working together. Um, we said New York Times, Wall Street Journal bestseller, other types of bestseller. You know, a one-time Amazon bestseller doesn't cut it. But if you've been on the, you know, in a bestseller uh, category, that's a pretty big one for a long time, then that does cut it. Um, successful book proposals. Uh, so, you know, that's a niche too. If you if you do book proposals and you have some successes with uh, traditional publishers and particularly major ones, that's going to really help you command higher fees. And you can charge a lot for a proposal. I know some um, book proposal at, uh, ghostwriters who charge like 25000 18 to 25 And, you know, at 25 I mean, you're also, well, Either way, you're probably also developing the chapter outlines and you're for the whole book and you're doing some sample chapters. You're writing at least one or two, maybe even three sample chapters. So, you know, that's that's a big chunk of time. So you should charge accordingly when you do a book proposal. Sometimes people think, oh, maybe I don't need to charge that much. But if you're doing the sample writing, too, there's a lot of the book that you have to process before you can do that. So. Um, so just make sure a client understands that and then, you know, you can command those fees and I, I, I would charge higher fees for, you know, sometimes people think, oh, I'll just do a bill proposal for $8,000. It, it really probably doesn't cover all the time you have to put in, especially if you're doing a lot of the research on comp books or markets. Um, let's see, ability to discuss the type of books they're writing on an exploratory call. I kind of mentioned that already and ability to communicate your process. So like all, all that communication is, again, is so important. And sometimes if you could shepherd the book through both writing and, well, of course you're doing the writing, but then through publishing as well. Um, so that let's say you'll publish it for them on Amazon and online retailers. Well, that's that's a big thing to them. So just make sure if you're adding that uh, at adding that service, you really know what you're doing because like you wouldn't want to give them an Amazon ISBN and then you know it turns out they can't really publish with Ingram Spark or you know it it it, it in addition. So you want to make sure like you buy them their own ISBN and maybe multiple ISBNs that are in their name and not Amazon. So, you know, there are things you need to know to do this well, and you need to probably be able to help them with keywords and categories. So you might want to take some classes with Kindlepreneur, whether, you know, Publisher Rocket and, and learning those things before you would put yourself out for those services. Um, but, but that can help you command higher fees if you're bundling everything. And then confidence, you know, just, just believe in yourself, uh, not in a false way, but remind yourself of all the things you've done well. And if there, if, if there's stuff you don't know, pretending that you know it, it 
people can see through that. And, and also it puts you in a terrible position later on. So it's better to say, um, it's better to either do some research before the call or say, you know, that's an area I'm, look, I'm happy to look into. And I, I don't have that information, you know, just be honest. But when you're honest, um, then your confidence really shows through. So I said I'd come back to this issue of NDAs because it's such a tricky one. Um, you, you, often will sign an NDA um, because the client wants it, right? They don't want people to know they had a ghostwriter. But, um, you know, you can still say, you know, I'm happy to sign the NDA. I hope you'll still, uh, you know, there's no pressure, but I hope you'll still consider writing a, a testimonial for me, calling me your editor um, so that I can display your book on my website as an you know, editorial client or something like that. And, and often, Clients are happy to do that. So that can be a way to at least be able to show that that was a book you worked on, even if, um, if you're not uh, getting a ghostwriter credit for it. Uh, others really don't want that. And you know that, that's fine as long as they're paying well for it, right? Um, so if you know, one thing you can do is to negotiate. Some clients don't really think about it. And you can say now, is it important for you to have uh, only your name on the cover, or can you say with and have my name as a co-writer? And you might even charge separate fees. So uh, Dan alluded to one one of the ghostwriters I work with. She's, I think she's actually charging, um, I don't, yeah, I think it is 100,000 if they are, um, if they have her name on the cover as a co-writer. And 130, I think it is now, or 135, if if it's pure ghostwriting and her name doesn't appear on it. So it makes them at least a think about, consider that maybe they can give her credit. And it gives, and then for those that are willing to do that, then she is able to show more books to potential clients. And she gets more money. If that's if that's worth extra to them, that's fine. They can pay extra and quite a bit extra. So that's something to consider. And I think a really important point to remember. Um, get testimonials when possible. Some clients will give you a testimonial as a ghostwriter, but others might call you a co-writer or, or might call you an editor. And hey, take what you can get. <laughs> give them the options and see what they're willing to do, if anything. Um, and then on your website, you can include books you've edited as well as books you've ghostwritten or, or books of your own you've written. And uh, yeah. One tactic that I've used is that I record all of my conversations with my clients uh, on Fathom or on Zoom. And invariably, at some point in some conversation, the client will say, gee, Dan, I never could have written this book without you or something else that is beautiful testimonial quote. And I'll stop them right there and I'll say, hey, that was really nice of you to say. Thank you very much. Would I can I have your permission to use that video and material in my marketing materials and of course they say yes and then I go back and I just edit out that material I give it to my webmaster and he posts it to YouTube and posts it to my website as well so it becomes very natural and it's in the flow so it, it really is easy to get testimonials if you follow this method oh that's great that's really great um hey do you have this on speaker view I don't know but let's just continue okay uh, just just because then people could see me on the podcast, but okay. Um, let's see, include books you've edited. 
uh, just seeing where we are. Okay, so see if some clients will serve privately as references, even if there's an NDA. So, you know, sometimes they're, they don't want publicly to acknowledge it, but they're happy to talk to a potential client. So if you have a particularly, I wouldn't, I wouldn't just send everybody to them, but if you have a particularly exciting prospect, you might reach out and see if they're willing to do that. And um, sometimes clients will let you share part of a book, you know, or, or all of a book, but even NDA clients might say, particularly, you know, once the, the book is out, if you said, you know, can I just share a couple pages to, as a sample? Sometimes they'll let you. So it's worth asking. Next slide. A professional website. Very important. And, you know, it's also important that it really be branded. You know, I worked with one ghostwriter early on and she had like four different websites, but a, a lot of them were just... Um, you know, she would have done better with one really good website, I'll say, but she had a website for memoir. And so it's not a bad idea to have different websites if you are going to work with different groups, but I don't think you need four, but maybe you have one for these spiritual memoirs and one for the business books, right? Business books and CEO memoirs, something like that. So you could have two websites. You could also just say, these are my two areas of expertise or three areas of expertise and have it all on one site. But, but, but make sure it's professional. You know, if it sounds too airy fairy with lots of, you know, kind of, um, I don't know, that particular site had like lots of fancy words. It just seemed uh, like overwritten. And, uh, you know, that's, that's going to be kind of a red flag. So, so really spend the time to have a website that reflects the kind of clients you want to attract and maybe even have a couple of beta readers for your website who are people in your target market. Uh, ask your clients what they were looking for in a writer. So, that, you know, they can kind of give you some words that then you can use on your website. Uh, so these are clients, maybe they, you know, have already hired you, or maybe even you, you know, I've finished working with them, but you can go back to them and say, I'm working on my website. You know, what are some things that you were looking for when you hired me? Um, of course, testimonials. I can say without a doubt that mo most people who contact me already know they want to work with me or work with one of the writers that I uh, refer them to. And uh, it's the testimonials. You know, they sell people ahead of time. So you can have written testimonials. And often it's a good idea to say, do you mind if I, uh, you know, kind of tighten this up a little and send you send you a suggestion? And then you can tighten it up or even say, do you, you know, can you add a sentence about X, Y, Z, or I added X, Y, Z, can you put that in your own words? And a lot of times they'll just say, oh, you can just use it as is. So if there's something you wanted them to mention and they didn't, you know, you can, you can get their permission to add it. But written interviews are great with a picture of them and a picture of their book. And then something, video case stories can be great. And so I even included um, my colleague, Ian Garlic and his team do wonderful work with video case stories. And they are, he says, testimonials suck. And, you know, what he's saying is like, tell a story of transformation rather than all about you and here are your good traits. And so um, they have a certain way of interviewing clients to get really beautiful details. Dan's been through the process, actually. Um, so we're going to have some great videos soon. So, um, so, but we already have some really great, great rough footage. So if, you know, if you're looking to, to do video case stories, that is a great, 
type of better than a regular testimonial. And then uh, images of books that you've edited, written, and ghostwritten, right? You want them all up there. And if a client has a really crappy cover, that is going to reflect on you. So you may want to consider when you're working with clients just to say, hey, if you're working with a cover designer and want to run the cover by me, please do. Or I, I know of some good cover designers. You just want to make sure they have a really nice cover because it's going to be on your website. And, you know, I was looking at a, 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 a ghostwriter recently. I was thinking of referring him. I haven't worked with him before, but we've been in contact for a while. And he's worked with major publishers. And I thought, you know, oh, he must, you know, he might be good for this client. Then I looked at his website and I'm guessing that most of his ghostwriting clients were self-published and the covers just really didn't look that good. And they, 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 um, they looked very self-published and I felt, you know, like, you know, for this client, I just think it's, it, they're going to look at that brand. They're going to look at those book covers and they don't even have to read what's in it. They're going to like, think that this isn't high quality. So just remember, you know, that, that it's going to impact you. And so, uh, and, you know, of course you want your clients to succeed well too. So make sure you're in on that cover choice if you can be. And sometimes they need to go back to the designer until they get something they love. Okay. Um, make your writing samples count. So variety of styles is important and point that out to the, the, the author hey, you know, I, I write in a variety of styles to really capture the author's voice and also what the author's looking for. So, um, so you know, know that as you're reading these samples, this is not going to be your voice. Uh, that's really important because they don't realize that. And, and even I, when I'm evaluating a new writer who's come to me and asked to be in my posse, uh, you know, they... Um, they sometimes send samples that I think, oh, you know, she's a good writer, but the voice is so weird. And, you know, I like if these are the three samples, I'm not going to be able to send them to clients and really get the business for them, I don't think. So those samples are really important. And, you know, determine can some samples rebel, you know, if it's a really strong voice, but like super um I mean, sometimes that can be good, you know, if it's super playful or, but, but if the humor, humor is tricky, if it doesn't quite catch the person right, it can really backfire. So be careful with humor, um, you know, unless like you have a, a number of really solid, uh, you know, unless you're, or if you really, that's what you do is humor, you know, then that's fine. Um, but point out, you know, to the client that each voice is different and make it clear that you'll find their voice. So another thing, if you want to be a really highly paid ghostwriter, is identify what are my strengths and what are my gaps? What are the opportunities for improving my skills? And there's a number of skills that come to play, you know, not just the writing. The writing is the obvious one, but there's um, your sales skills and listening skills uh, and, you know, particularly listening and setting expectations with the client and. Uh, and, 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 you know, that comes into play in a number of ways, you know, certainly the better job you do early on, um, before they even sign on the, the, uh, you know, the more likely they are to, to think this is a high quality writer and a high quality professional and, and I'm happy to pay those fees. But the other thing 
and this is really important is when you don't set expectations right early on or you know think or the communication is lacking through during the project in any way you are going to spend so much time on the problems with that client because they weren't well managed from the beginning and because the communication is off in some way and all that time is time wasted that you could have been maybe working on a second ghostwriting project, you know, an additional project where you would have been earning more money. So it's not just about commanding more fees, but really don't waste your time because the communication skills aren't there. Improve your communication skills. And, and I um, mentioned to Dan, I have some handouts, including something you can give new clients that gives them information uh, of how to, you know, how to work with a ghostwriter. And just, I do ask that you, you know, have my name on it, giving me credit. Like, don't just use my list to give to your clients, like credit, credit me. You could credit me with the title of my book. You don't have to say ghostwriting refer. You could say Lisa Tenner, author of the joy of writing journal, spark your creativity in eight minutes a day, something like that. So that, you know, it doesn't, doesn't make them think, oh, let me try Lisa. Uh, but just some, some way to credit me. Uh, okay, so identifying strengths, gaps, opportunities. Um, interviewing the client, right? That's a skill. Getting the information you need to both sell your services and then also interviewing them for the actual writing. Um, organizing the book is a skill. Research is a skill. Uh, writing, of course. Keeping the client informed is a skill. Discussing problems or challenges. So being willing to say, hey, we have a disconnect here, willing to bring it up right away. Or, you know, I worked with a ghostwriter and she got sick and she kept thinking, oh, I'll be better in a few weeks or I'll be better soon. And then I can work on the client's book. No, if you're sick and you're going to be a week late or, the, you know, tell the client right away, hey, I, I got sick and I don't know how long this is going to last. So I just want to let you know, I think I can still be on time, but there may be an issue. And then when you come back to them two weeks later to say, you know, actually, I'm still sick it's not a shock to them. And, it, you know, you already warned them that you, there was this potential. And then you can say it is an issue now, and I am not going to be able to meet our deadline and, and renegotiate with them or tell them you're still figuring out the medications and you're not sure how long it'll take. Because this writer, wait, you know, wasted so much time with not communicating that it became a giant problem and a very unhappy client. Um, but if she communicated all along, it could have been much better and handled better. Uh, so that is just so, so important to be willing to bring up problems or issues with meeting deadlines. Even if you're not sure it's a problem yet, give them a little heads up. It's not a bad idea. And then revision is also a skill. And you know what? If you don't have all these skills, you can hire people with those skills, right? If if you, you know, you can hire proofreaders, you can hire a developmental editor, you can hire a researcher. Uh, so there, there are lots of ways to get support for some of these things too. Uh, and and uh, so here's considering training. I don't think we need to go through this because it's the same skills we talked about. And then considering support and a team approach. And so here's a list. Some of the things that I mentioned here in the team approach that are not um, that are not listed, uh, that I didn't list earlier, are, uh, are let's see, beta readers and uh, possibly like a client liaison if you need that. You know, if you know your, your 
skills aren't the best with clients, maybe hire someone to help you with that. And uh, I, I really want to emphasize again, your time is valuable. And so uh, it's not just about charging more, but not wasting your time, right? So one thing is to vet your prospects. And so one of the ways I do this is I don't make it easy to find my phone number. It's on my website, but I'm not, you know, I don't have one of those sites where it's right at the top. My focus is, uh, is that the, um, that the, that the email is the way they're going to contact me. So on the contact form, it's emphasized there's a there's a form and they fill it out. And I ask questions right away in that contact form. Name, phone, email, the type of service they're looking for, and the genre, the topic, and the description of, of, this, of the book that they want to write. Um, because that way I can already see, is this person likely to be a prospect. I mean, if they don't have the time to even tell me anything about the book and they just fill out their name and phone number and say, call me, uh, that's, that's not worth my time. I'm, I'm very busy. And, you know, I, and I know that once they have me on the phone, you know, I'm not very good at just hanging up, right? <laughs> even if they're trying to pick my brain. So I really try to make sure that this is a good prospect. So then I get that form, right? And then I write back to them and I have a pre-written email that sets some expectations up front about ghostwriting. And, you know, I thank them for getting in touch. And I, um, I uh, ask, I, I tell them that, you know, it can be very fulfilling, can be a great business builder. And at the same time, sometimes you can put in more money than you get out of it. So it's really important to, ahead of time to have a business plan with a book and to, and to know how you're going to use the book uh, unless you're willing to risk that money that you're spending. And right away, that does two things. Number one, it, it, uh, it often gets rid of some prospects who really aren't that serious or, or you know, just don't have the money. And, and I give them a range of what ghostwriting can cost. And number two, uh, it also shows that I'm not there just to grab their money and get whatever business. And there are a lot of ghostwriting companies that are in the business of doing that. I'm making sure that that they have really thought this through and that they understand the risk they're taking. People really appreciate that. They feel like, oh, this is an honest person and they care and they're not trying to take advantage of me. So that is really, really valuable and it's going to save you so much time because it's in a pre-written email. And then I do sometimes, I do usually customize the email slightly, but it saves me a lot of time that I've got the thing to cut and paste and then customize it. And I do say, you know, here are some of the ranges of ghostwriters that I have. Is this in your budget? So I would say in that email, just say, here's the range of my services for ghostwriting a typical book. And let me know if that's in your budget and we can talk, set up a time to talk. Because guess what? If it's not in their budget, you don't want to talk to them. You may think, oh, I'm desperate and I really want to talk to them, but why not keep yourself open for the next project that's going to really pay your fees? Uh, so don't be, don't be shy of stating your fees upfront before you ever even talk to them because, uh, you know, unless you are super, super hungry and you really have to do it, I'm not, you know, trying to talk you out of that. 
um, and educate them with a freebie. So like the one that I mentioned that tells them how to talk to a ghost, work with a ghostwriter, also have 20 questions to ask a ghostwriter before you hire theirs. Have some kind of free offer that, um, that engages them. Okay, I'm sorry, Dan, I know I'm running on and we, we've only got till, till two. Okay, so bad clients suck up precious time. And um, I won't go a lot into that. We'll make these slides available to you. But basically, you know, train your clients to be good clients by setting expectations. Have them initial their responsibilities in the contract. And you can even have a separate meeting with them to make sure they understand their responsibilities and agree to them and commit to them. Um, you're interviewing them. You're not desperate. Take red flags seriously. Really listen to your in intuition and you will make more money in the long run. So next steps, um, if you want to hear more from me, I do have a free newsletter, lisatenner.com slash newsletter. You can sign up for the newsletter. It's mostly about writing, not ghost writing, but, um, but I think you'll find some gems there. And uh, I have to do a little ad for my book, The Joy of Writing Journal, Spark Your Creativity in Eight Minutes a Day. I think it's a wonderful book, so I'd love to share it with everyone. And um, I do, if, if you... If you are a ghostwriter who procrastinates or just would like um, a really nice uh, space for getting into the writing space where we do some warm-ups and get into the zone and then just write together at the same time, uh, I have a wonderful program called Get Your Writing Done. Great. Thank you very much, Lisa. That was wonderful. And as you're watching this podcast, you can find 150 more interviews that will help you write your book in a flash. Thank you for listening to the Write Your Book in a Flash podcast with Dan Janelle, the only podcast that shows you exactly how people just like you have built their businesses by writing a book. If you'd like to write your book but don't know where to start, you can find great information at writeyourbookinaflash.com. If you're ready to take your next step to write the book that can transform your business, I invite you to schedule a free, no-obligation consulting call with me by going to writeyourbookinaflash.com. We'll be back next week with another insightful interview to help you become a top business leader.